It's a joy to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Before we get into the word, may I just pray so that we can prepare our hearts in prayer. Father, thank you that right now you prepare our hearts. We desire that the ground of our hearts would be fertile soil where you place the seed in and it produces a harvest. I thank you that you anoint my lips as I declare the word. I thank you that you anoint and uh, uh, the spiritual ears of those that will receive this word. And we thank you that your word will accomplish its purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of the message this morning is Money, Worry, and Cares. That's what I'm speaking about this morning. Money, worry, and cares. Now, in terms of this, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, I really felt that the scripture came to mind in this time, considering things that we are facing in the coronavirus pandemic around the world. And I felt that this speaks into the area, um, well, into a few areas that are cause perhaps for concern. And God's word speaks into these areas to help us at this time. So I believe that this will be a practical message. It will be helpful to you. Now, my question to you as we start off is this. How does money affect you? How does it affect you? Does it affect you? I can bet it does. Money affects us all. It's something that we often struggle with. For some people, it is a lack of money. For others, it is this great desire to get a hold of money. For some, it's the wrong use of money. For others, it may be the poor investment of money and losses that have come as a result of that. But the truth is, it affects us all. And we do know that God's word does have a significant amount to say about money. So this story that I'm going to read to you quickly illustrates how money affects people. Take a listen to this. Arthur and his wife went to the country fair every year. And every year when Arthur saw the antique biplane, he would say, June, I'd like to ride in that airplane. And June always replied, I know, Arthur, but that airplane ride costs $10, and $10 is $10. One year, Arthur and June went to the fair, and Arthur said, June, for goodness sake, I'm 81 years old. If I don't ride that airplane, I might never get another chance. June replied, Arthur, that airplane ride costs $10, and $10 is $10. The pilot overheard them and said, folks, I'll make you a deal. I'll take you both up for a ride. And if you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word, I won't charge you. But if you say one word, it's going to cost you $10. Arthur and June agreed excitedly and up they went in the airplane. The pilot did all kinds of twists and turns and dolls and uh, rolls and dives, but not a word was heard. He did all his tricks over again, but still not a word. When they landed, the pilot turned to Arthur and said, My goodness, I did everything I could to get you screaming, but you didn't. And Arthur replied, Well, I was going to say something when June fell out the plane, but $10 is $10. (laughs) Quite a crazy story, but it is an interesting one because 
money affects us all. And uh, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 6. And this is where Jesus himself is addressing some of the cares and concerns that we face in life, that we face about money and clothing and all these things that vie for our attention. And, and so listen to what the word of the Lord says. Matthew 6 verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It goes on in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Think about what we're facing right now. This is so applicable. God says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We certainly are. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Think of maybe the amount of worrying that you may have been doing in this time. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Take note of the word faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And we declare the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. And so this passage that we're reading today, I would submit to you, demonstrates a kingdom mindset, a kingdom outlook concerning these things of money, worry, and cares. So I have a few points to share with you on this, which I'm trusting will help to build your understanding of what God is saying here. Uh, five things I'd like to share with you. Number one, if you are serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. Do you agree with that? If you are serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. And just to recap that verse 24 in Matthew chapter 6, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so this verse is essentially saying that you and I have a choice. We have a choice between God and mammon. And we have to make a choice even in this time that we've been going through now. 
we are making choices all the time. Are, are we trusting in our money and our provisions or, or are we trusting in God? And so this is maybe not just a once-off choice that we make in our lives when we come to Christ, but it's an ongoing choice. See, if you choose to admire and serve mammon, then you will be unfaithful and disloyal to God. And if you choose to serve God, then you will look down on mammon and see it in its rightful place. And actually, you will have dominion over mammon. Now, some people, I think they read this verse and they think, well, maybe I can do both. What if I just serve mammon 20% and God 80% and, and they try to kid themselves into thinking you can serve both. Well, I want to say to you that that is an impossibility. It's like trying to serve the north and the south. <laughs> they are opposite poles. It is impossible. Realize and believe this in your heart that you have to make a choice. I'm serving God or mammon. And I believe as children of God, we must make the right choice. It's God. It's God. It's God who is serving. And so would you consider your life for a moment as you think of your life? And I want to encourage you, be honest. Are you serving the world system? I want to ask you that. Are you serving the world system? Are you serving mammon? Does it maybe have a grip on you? And perhaps in this time, you've become more aware of that. The current global pandemic is certainly forcing many Christians to consider this question. But to answer this, maybe we first need to just clarify, well, what is mammon? What does it mean? What is its significance? And the face value meaning of mammon essentially means riches, money, and possessions. That's what it is. Basically money. Riches, money, and possessions. But the deeper meaning of mammon is this, whatever is trusted in. Wow. I've discovered that God is a jealous God. He wants you to trust in Him. So the deeper meaning of mammon is whatever is trusted in. And at the end of the day, it is a trust issue. Are you trusting money or are you trusting God? And you know what? I believe that there are many people that have said no to the call of God on their lives because they've actually served the world system. They've served their career. They've served mammon, if I can put it that way. And we do live in a materialistic society where so many people spend time serving and trusting in money. But God is calling you, even in this time, don't be gripped by the fear and running after money, but you trust in me, my child. And so many of us uh, do serve money but we should not do that. We should have dominion over money. And we should realize that it cannot have dominion over us if our heart is in the right place. But as we keep mammon under our feet, let me tell you, it opens space in your heart for God to be on the throne of your heart. So that's point number one. If you're serving the world system, then you will not be able to place God first. Point number two, interesting point. Worry is a fruitless and demoralizing activity. <laughs> we need to just kind of appreciate the craziness of worry. <laughs> it's crazy to spend time worrying. But yet sometimes we do this. 
And um, some of the texts, uh, the verses from our text allow me to highlight the phrases that mention the word worry. Because in our text today, five times this word appears. It says, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Verse 27, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28, so why do you worry? This is Jesus speaking. Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Verse 34 says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Can you hear the heart of Jesus for his people as he's teaching his followers right there? And Jesus is teaching you right today through his word coming to you and he's appealing to you. And he's saying this over and over again. Why are you worrying? Do not worry. Stop worrying. Don't worry about your life. And so this aspect of not worrying is certainly not a side aspect in this passage that we're dealing with. It is a very dominant theme in our text. And it's so wonderful to know that God's word speaks into this area and gives us instruction concerning this And so we should just take note, realize that God doesn't want worry to consume you, child of God. Think about that for a moment. God doesn't want worry to consume you. So maybe just even in your heart right now, there can be a quality decision. I'm going to reject that. I'm not going to worry. It's interesting to note that um, the uh, origin of the English word worry, the old Middle English is varian. And it means to strangle, bite, harass. It's similar to the German word, which I think is pronounced verjen. And uh, basically it means to strangle. And so if you think of it, isn't that what worry is like? It strangles us. It harasses us. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You felt like the very life has been throttled out of you in this time as you've been strangled by worry. But praise God that we can overcome that with the Lord's help. Worry is a type of fear. When we are in worry, we are not in faith. And when we are in faith, we are not in worry. So stay in faith, child of God, because it pleases God. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. But realize this, as you're choosing not to worry and you're choosing to stay rather in faith, do you realize this is pleasing your heavenly Father? And I just want to encourage people that if during this time you've been making a concerted effort to not allow worry into your heart, I want to tell you well done because it is pleasing to your heavenly Father. That's point number two. Worry is a fruitless and demoralizing activity. On to point number three, we can learn about being happy and carefree from God's creation. (laughs) We can learn about being happy and carefree from God's creation. From our text, allow me to highlight the phrases that speak about being carefree. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Verse 28, it says, Consider the lilies of the field. Lilies are beautiful that you see growing in the field. Consider them, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. In other words, they're not stressing. They're just growing. They're just there. They're just content. Verse 30 says, God clothes the grass of the field. Have you thought of that? That God actually clothes the grass. And so here, Jesus is pointing to three objects of creation. He's pointing to the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the grass uh, of the field. And do you know what them, uh, you know what the significance is? That none of them are burdened by anxiety. Wow, what a lovely place to be in. None of them are burdened by anxiety and they are happy and carefree. I remember years ago, I was probably, I don't know, about 13 years of age and uh, my mom and I started taking up an interest in watching birds and that's something that I'd never been interested in before. But my mom had undergone a foot operation and so as part of this, she needed to have about six or eight weeks of bed rest, uh, getting her foot right. So what we decided to do is that she would put out well, I would help to put out some wild bird seeds, some bird seed just outside uh, the sliding door of her bedroom and maybe put out a bit of fruit and so on. We also bought some bird books and uh, we were even taking photos with a zoom lens and so on. And so for a period of time while she was recovering, we took an interest and we were writing down the names of the birds that we saw and we were discovering what their names were. Many of them we didn't even know. And I must say, it was actually so pleasant. Sometimes we've got to look at the little things and just appreciate these little things in life, the birds. And so I really enjoyed that. And it gave me a good knowledge of a whole lot of bird names. But here's the thing, those little birds, they just hop around and they're happy. <laughs> yeah, I know they've got to fight for their food and so on, but actually they're hopping around and they're happy. And, and there's an aspect of trusting in the Creator. And so Jesus is saying, look at these things. Look at these little birds chirping around. And you need to be a little bit more like that. I need to be a little bit more like that. Jesus also speaks about Solomon, comparing him to the lily. And, and imagine the opulence of Solomon's garments. I mean, it must have been totally, totally over the top. But yet God says that little lily of the field looks even far more beautiful and there's this aspect of trusting in God. I do just want to mention a bit of a caution here that carefree living certainly does not mean careless living. Some people just say, well, I'm just going to stay on the couch all day. I'm just going to, you know, channel hop all day. I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to, I don't know, pig out on donuts or <laughs> stuff like that. I just want to say to you, don't be a careless person, but to be carefree while in God's trust is a wonderful thing. So consider the lilies, consider the birds. They are happy and carefree. That's point number three. We can learn about being happy and carefree from God's creation. Point number four of five points I'm sharing with you. This is very important. Your heavenly father is sensitive to your needs. He will provide for you as you put him first. Wow. May I just repeat that? Your heavenly father is sensitive to your needs. He will provide for you as you put him first. But you do need to put him first. I want to say that there is a condition in this passage 
of you know, being carefree, being happy, being free of worry, but it comes with the condition of putting God first. So it says, Matthew 6, verse 32, the second part of verse 32 and verse 33, it says, but your heavenly Father knows. Would you please say that? Your heavenly Father knows. Say that word knows. Knows. He does. He does. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. Thank you, God. That's a promise for this time. That's a promise I can stand on. So what are these things? Well, these things are the necessities of life. They are things like food. They are things like clothing, things like a place to live, even things like education and health care and those sorts of things. God says, I will add those things, but I want your heart. That's what I want. And then I provide for you. And so I find it tremendously encouraging. And this is one of the beautiful things that you can take away from this message today, that my heavenly Father knows. God, forgive me, because sometimes during this you know, coronavirus lockdown, I've been thinking, God, you don't care. But I thank you that you do care. I thank you, Father, that you know and that your heart is towards me. And so I believe that this speaks of God's loving and compassionate understanding of our situation and his desire to meet every need. And I want to say to you, hear this from the heart of Abba Father. He knows, he knows, he knows. And as I say this, I really feel like a compassion in my heart because God has called me to be a shepherd. And I speak to the flock of God that the Lord has put me to, to oversee and care for. And I want to say to you, he knows. And he declares that he's going to add all those things to you. What you need, he will provide. And you might say, Lord, I need extra groceries. He knows. You might say, God, I need money for school fees. He knows. Lord, I need money to pay rent. He knows. Not only does he know, he meets the needs that we have. I just think of something which comes to mind is that when I was in our previous church envi environment some 15-odd years ago, I remember how we were going to be leaving there and somehow the Lord had opened up a door for me to take a job in a computer company. I was leaving ministry, going into computer company. It meant I had to take a large drop in salary. And I didn't know how we were going to do this because it was like, how are we going to afford to live? But we prayed, and I remember my wife was, Mandri was very concerned. How's it going to be? Will we be able to afford this? Will we still be able to have a little bit of fun? Or is it, is it just going to be all hard? Or what's going to happen? And we prayed about it. And we began to trust the Lord. And I can testify that God provided for us. There was never a time that we didn't have what we needed. And so I can testify to God's faithfulness. And in fact, when I look back on that time, I can honestly say it was blessed. You say, how could it be blessed when you had to take such a drop in salary and go to this uh, much, you know, much less income? Well, I don't know, but I know this, that God provides. 
I know that he can do miraculous provision and you don't know where it's coming from. Like those disciples, they were handing out the loaves and fishes. They didn't know where the provision was coming from. But at the end of the day, they saw, wow, there's 12 baskets left over. And I want to tell you, God provides in supernatural ways. And sometimes we've got to stop looking just at, you know, the paycheck or this income or that payment coming through because I want to tell you that God provides in miraculous ways and he does it for every one of his children. There's no favorites. And so it's important that our lives should be spent on focusing on God and fulfilling his calling upon our lives. And then the automatic outflow will be provision. What do you focus on? You focus on God and fulfilling his calling on your life. And it's a provision that flows out of there. But conversely, if we choose to walk away from our destiny and not focus on God, we very well will lack. We very well may lack the things that we need. This verse 33 of Matthew 6 in the Phillips translation, I don't often quote from that translation, says this, set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness and all these things will come to you as a matter of course. I like that. So keep God first, place him first, and he will meet your needs. That's point number four. Just to recap, your heavenly father is sensitive to your needs and he will provide as you put him first. The last point, and this is a brief one that I want to share with you. Number five, live with simplicity by living one day at a time. Do you think that that's maybe good advice for a time like this that we're facing with this global situation, with this global pandemic? I think this is wonderful advice. It comes from God's word. Live with simplicity by living one day at a time. It says in verse 34 of Matthew 6, it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. God, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, this is saying to us, live one day at a time. And I just want to point out to you that that principle of living one day at a time Although it's quoted widely, perhaps in secular philosophy and so on, I want to point out to you that this is a biblical principle because it says there, do not worry about tomorrow. <laughs> and so this is a biblical principle. And I've discovered that this is some of the best advice that you can give to somebody who's facing the loss of a loved one. As pastors, Oftentimes we uh, are faced with counseling with people that have lost uh, a loved one in their family. It's a very difficult time to go through. But many times we will give this advice, live one day at a time. But that's not only good advice for somebody who's suffered a loss. It's actually good advice for everyone in life. And Jesus was actually saying this to his disciples, to the many that were listening to him as he was delivering the Sermon on the Mount. And he was saying to them, you live one day at a time and you live with your eyes fixed on me. And that's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Wow. Because you're living one day at a time. And so it's great advice that you can give to people. Because you see, if you look at the future in its entirety, in its totality, it can look quite daunting. 
And that's why it's better to take it in bite-sized chunks. And you know what? Those bite-sized chunks are called days. Live one day at a time. You might be worried about six months' time from now, but God is saying, well, just trust me for today. Just pray this prayer. Lord, give me today my daily bread. Live in this kind of a way. Don't worry about next year, but just live one day at a time. And so I believe that part of this living in this one day at a time, there's this aspect of capturing the moment, seizing the moment, living in this day. You know what? The enemy wants you to get so absorbed with your past or and or with your future that your very present, which is a present, it's a gift from God, is robbed from you. And you think about it, maybe even today or yesterday, you were so worried about issues of the future, perhaps even things of the past, that you couldn't even enjoy your day. No, God says, you just take this day and you see my goodness in this day. And then when it gets to tomorrow, you see my goodness living one day at a time. And so we should capture the present moments. Focus on today, make it count. And so I want to say to you, kiss your spouse today. Enjoy the moments that you're experiencing today. Love your kids today. Be kind today. Trust God today. Live life to the full today. And my closing statement is this. Therefore, do not worry, child of God, about your life, but trust in your heavenly Father because He knows and He will meet your needs. I trust that you're blessed by this message. And I think we just need to seal this off in prayer. Let's just close our eyes. Even if, as you're watching this on television, why don't you close your eyes and let's just pray. Dear Father, we come to you. Thank you for your word. Your word brings comfort. Your word brings reassurance. And so, Lord, we make a quality decision right now to not worry about our lives what we're going to eat or wear or the provision. We're not going to worry about it, Lord. We are just going to look to you, Heavenly Father. And right now as I'm praying, I just encourage you, child of God, would you look to Abba Father, your Papa Father. We just look to you, Abba Father. And we just say we look to you as our source. We look to you as our sustainer. We look to you as our Father. And we say, Thank you for this day. We live in this day and in this moment. And we say, Lord, yes, please give us this day our daily bread. And so thank you, Father, that as we keep you in first place, you will do amazing things in our lives. And there will be the testimony that surely goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our lives. And so we thank you for your goodness, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. It's been a joy coming to you. And so I pray that you'd have a wonderful rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of this Mother's Day. God bless you. Lots of love.